0: When it comes to restaurants, one thing that I really appreciate is when a place is consistent and delicious. I think that uh, having any chance of being disappointed, uh, I don't I don't tolerate that anymore. Which is why I enjoy Dunstan Tap and Table. Uh, they are right in Scarborough in the kind of Scarborough-Saco border on Route One. And actually, you might have missed. You might have dr- driven by and not even seen it there. Uh, you got to kind of take a right, and it has its own little village, kind of popping up around it, but doesn't tap and table. Just, I guess you could call it. It's sort of that American comfort food, you know, pub food, but it's just done really well. And it's, you know, I you know you hear that about a lot of places, but seriously, like I've never had anything there that I, I didn't enjoy. Um, I talk about the wings a lot, uh, which are delicious, but uh, everything I've had there from the, you know, the mussels to the, the pizza, Uh, Occasionally, you'll see they have, uh, I mean, they have Mexican food like Berriette tacos and fish tacos. I mean, it's just a, it's a place you can kind of order around the menu and feel pretty confident about it. A lot of times you run into a menu that has a wide range of things and you're like, okay, I should stick to the burger because it's not going to be safe to journey outside of that. But uh, that's why I love this place. Uh, Owners are fantastic. Uh, Great staff. It's just very open. I mean, it's just like one of those, it's just easy. You know, you want some place. You could actually bring, you know, if somebody's like up your ass about wanting to go to like <clears throat> Applebee's or Chili's, you can be like, you know what, let's go someplace good, but you like that kind of food, let's go have that food done really well. Dunston Tap and Table is at 6 Stewart Drive at Dunston Crossing in Scarborough, Maine. Uh, you can check them out at dunstontapandtable.com. That's D U N S T A N T A P A N D T A B. L E that's dot com. table.com. Uh, they are closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, Wednesday through Saturday, 1130 to nine Sunday, 1130 to eight. And of course that's as of this recording, but uh, also there's plenty of parking. So bring all the cars you want. There's all the parking you could ever imagine. Dunson and tap and table. Uh, one of the joys uh, of eating that is often overlooked is Having amazing plates and bowls to enjoy your food off of Um, adds to the dining experience. Again, most people these days you go and there's like here, here's a rectangular uh, metal uh, slab that looks like you might be served uh, food in prison on uh, and you can enjoy this and it's trendy. And, you know, I'm not into that. So uh, when we put this. Show together uh, more specifically when we do uh, Fucoma, my '70s kitchen, our, our cooking show. Uh, we wanted some. We wanted to partner with someone who made really unique, you know, eye-catching, memorable plates and bowls. If you want to check them out for yourself, you can go to edgecompotters.com. That's e d g e c o m b p o t t e r s. Uh They have stores in Edgecombe, Maine. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Portland, Maine, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Bar Harbor, Maine. Uh, you can check the website for the specific store hours and where you want to go. Uh, if you have seen, I will say that they're, they're coffee mugs at this point. They're kind of, a, I think they're, they are they look like they have whale tails, basically, on them. And they are iconic at this point. I mean, it's one of the most recognizable mugs, I think, I've ever seen anywhere. So, Definitely go check that out, Edge Compotters. If you watch our show, if you watch My 70s Kitchen, uh, you're going to see a lot of our dishes plated on plates and bowls from Edge Compotters. And welcome to the Food Coma Podcast. Uh, today, we are joined by Jordan Rubin, a.k.a. Mr. Tuna, if you're from the Portland, Maine area, or any place. Actually, now if you're any, any place in the country, basically, they know who you are. Wow. Thank, thanks for having me. Uh, Jordan is the owner and chef at Mr. Tuna uh, in Portland, which is both uh, a food truck on the east end, on the, on the promenade, and also in the public market. Uh, and also is also the uh, co-owner of Crispy Guy, which is a, a Thai-inspired fried chicken restaurant in downtown Portland, which you brought wings from when you came here. I did.
1: I have to I have to spread the love, you know. You
0: do. Those are I, I don't usually eat a lot before I do the podcast because, you know, I have to be just my, you know, one hundred percent self. But those are insane. There was one there basically there curried wings and there were Shejuan wings. And because it's Crispy Guy, they're very crispy. As we said, that Soggy Guy is another restaurant yeah, altogether. Yeah,
1: that's, uh, that's way down the road, though. Yeah. I mean, like I
0: said, you could do braised stuff, and that's okay yeah. if it's kind of soggy. Just so want... some
1: curries we could do. You know? Soggy
0: curry? Yeah. yeah. That would be, I mean, I'd eat it.
1: Wet cereal, you know.
0: So those wings um, <clears throat> are insane. Uh, one has curry powder that you guys make at the restaurant, and the other is like a Chajuan peppercorn,
1: Blend. Yeah, it's like a pretty traditional Sichuan blend. We we throw some some different spices in there, and uh, but uh, you know it's got that mala that that hot that tingle. Eat, yeah, yeah.
0: Those are ridiculous. I could eat those all day. And you were saying that's basically it's kind of your go-to when you're pretty much rolling anywhere. It's just a, a pile of wings from uh, from crispy guy.
1: Yeah, it's kind of you know softens softens up the party. You know.
0: Yeah, it's a conversation yeah. starter. Also, it's a yeah, conversation you show piece. up with wings. You're you're yeah. doing you're. Nobody's going to hate you. Yeah. Unless you show up. You could
1: be a total asshole, but if you show up with wings. Yeah, I like to go, yeah,
0: just don't show up with, like, Tyson wings. No, I would never. (laughs) Everything is fine, you know? Um, So you have been, so obviously Mr. Tuna uh, is a sushi restaurant, but it's kind of, it doesn't really, I wouldn't, it doesn't fall into the traditional category because it's kind of like you have the the truck specializes in hand rolls, and then, you know, you have the counter at Mr. Tuna in the public market. It's not like that. that space is kind of... A bit uh, sort of geared towards counter service anyway, even though you can sit at the sushi bar. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's changed a lot over mm-hmm. the years. When we started, it was just hand rolls. We only did yep. hand rolls at the market. Uh, we added makis, um, like the cut rolls in, mm-hmm. I think, a year in. And then uh, COVID kind of ch- changed a lot of things. We, had a, um, we closed uh, in the summer... Or the winter of two thousand nineteen, uh, we we me and Marissa went to Japan. We just kind of we were doing some renovations. We're expanding the market, and we came back. We opened with a new menu, expanded menu. It had nigiri. It had um, you know we were doing these uh, lunchtime omakases, like a tasting menu. I did one of those recently. Uh, it was yeah, delicious. thank yeah. you. Uh, we're doing you know we 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 kind of changing up the whole the whole menu there, uh, and that was. 10, we were open 10 days before COVID, and then then we closed. Yep. Um, (laughs) You're just checking. Yeah. We're just open for a second, just checking to see if you guys were on your feet, and then we're going to close up. So, yeah, we were closed, and then we reopened, you know, uh, I think a year, a year and a half later, just for takeout. So... It's it's been up a lot of a lot of changes a lot of adapting over yeah. the years. He's
0: definitely pivoted done a good job with that. Like I said, having the outdoor setup on the prom has been great. Obviously, then you doing crispy guy was initially a pop up ish. I don't I hate that term, but yeah, you know, yeah, like you could come get it to go. It was like a ghost a kitchen. Thing. Kind ghost, of thing. Ki- yeah, yeah. We'll go with ghost I mean that kitchen. was like yeah. the term people use Yeah, but, I mean it. You know. no. uh, yeah. And when you went to Japan now was there anything any kind of inspiration there when you came back and changed the menu up or you just kind of like hung out and just drank a bunch of booze there like what, what did oh you do?
1: yeah I mean there was a ton of inspiration I don't know if there was anything direct but just yeah. being there and being you know submersed in in the culture and uh yeah it 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 changed the way I thought about about everything uh but sp- specifically we we did eat a lot of omakaze's there which yep. is um it's the traditional, Ito um, style sushi. So you know you go in there and the chef picks everything. It's one one piece at a time, and and that was uh, something we kind of wanted to bring back, mm-hmm. and do at the market. Kind of like if you if you've seen um, I
0: mean, most people have seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi at this point, and that's sort of the style he yeah. yeah. serves in that in that film if exactly. You've
1: seen that. So do you you do that at the market now? You'll do like a piece by piece kind of situation. Uh, we were doing it when we well we did a couple pop ups or a couple omakaze nights, and this was prior to COVID. Um, with my buddy Song, who's who's uh, a sushi chef. Uh, right now he's got his thing going in, in uh, Gloucester, Mass. Which uh, but I worked Gloucester. with him. Yeah, Gloucester. Yeah. Uh, I worked with him all over. He worked with me in Gloucester. I worked with uh for him at another place in like medfield i don't even remember it was forever ago yeah but uh yeah we did the pop-ups together um and then when we came back from japan we did the piece by piece at the market but it was for 10 days it was on the menu oh that yeah. was I see. So you that you went was japan the, before the covid yeah i say, we I came say. back That's right true, as covid been, yeah. like we were hearing about covid when we were in japan I, yeah. like i remember marissa's father called us and said you did you hear about this, this new thing that's going around in China? And we're just like, what, you know, what is this?
0: Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of had that reaction people kind of went right for it. I, I mean, I'll admit that I was skeptical initially. I mean, I didn't think it wasn't a thing, but I was like, I don't know. People love to blow things out of proportion, especially these days. But yeah. as we all found out, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was funny because when I was, um, when I had found out about it, I was actually in Austin in Texas and, that was sort of like the week. It was like the week of March 12th, which was my, my birthday. That's why I was there hanging out, whatever, eating a bunch of food. And it was like the they canceled like South by Southwest. But uh, it wasn't quite that crazy out there. But the minute I got back to the East Coast, it was just like the apocalypse. Basically. Oh, yeah. But the one thing, the reason I bring Austin up is because I see that you've been to a lot of places I've been to. I think we might have actually talked about that, like Ola May, which is oh, yeah. freaking awesome. Those The biscuits there are... Kind of insanity. Yeah, they're
1: known for the biscuits, but I I think everything we ate there was yeah. I had a Hop and John there. I was like this is the one of the best things I've ever eaten. Yeah, I was lucky to go there with a bunch of chefs, a couple of local guys, and because uh, we were down there um, for for the hot luck, we we were um, we did an event at Andrew Knowlton's hotel there. Yep, I stayed there when I was down at the carpenter. Um, yeah, yeah, we we kind of like fed the the chefs, but we ended up going there with a bunch of them. And they, you know, they put out a spread for us. Like, I've never seen. I mean, it was... They... They spoiled I us. saw, yeah, I saw some of the pictures of it. it looked pretty intense. I really like the art there.
0: Like, remember, it's all like kind yeah. of the weird sort of uh, portraits, but with, like the this, this skeletons kind of imposed on them. They're yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah, actually, so when we were down there, um, we kept going to the same wine bar, actually, with, with Andrew Nolten, like. Which at one point, I saw you went to Franklin. He was like... If you let me know beforehand, we could do Franklin. I kind of took one look at the actual line. I was like, there's not literally, if they were handing out just $100 bills, like a stack of them, I don't know if I'd wait in that line. Yeah, it's a
1: good like three hours. I mean, it was insane. It was like
0: basically like people camping out essentially. And I'm like, I mean, it's still. And the thing with barbecue in in Texas that I've talked about on the show before is that takes some getting used to it from the Northeast, is that it's basically like fucking breakfast there. Like nobody eats barbecue for dinner. Like dinner time like you have to right. get there by like 11 yeah you know like you, you go the, you go to the barbecue place on like a saturday at like seven eight in the morning and just wait and you eat mid-morning and that's pretty much that like you're not gonna go be like oh it's dinner time let's go have barbecue
1: no no we 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 ate for lunch and we did the the migas the breakfast tacos and, <laughs> yeah you did you know we did that well, i saw you thing. went to Descada,
0: which i've been to we went to, when to I was there. that was like and you're like these are the best tacos ever and i would agree they're all pork tacos and they do basically that. They had the, 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 uh, they had elotes. There's basically like two things they had, and the tacos. It's like they basically encourage you to order eight for yourself. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like ten bucks for eight tacos. <laughs> you know, yeah, was ridiculous. Like super
1: that. cheap, and yeah, I think the options were like four, eight, yeah, 12 four, or eight, something. twelve. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm obviously gonna Middle go for the, the eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I could eat twelve. They're freaking awesome. I mean, they're unreal. It was. To this day, I, the best taco I've eaten, and yeah. I ate a lot of tacos. So,
0: no, that's the thing that I, I went. I went intending to just eat tacos and barbecue. Although after three days of that, I was like, I want to go other places because it's like you could definitely burn out. It sounds great to eat brisket that much brisket, but when you actually on your on your third day, you're kind of like, okay, this is starting to get a little rugged, and also it's you know, it only get it's like it's all it's all delicious. I went to like Blacks. I did like Blacks and a few other like Mueller's and. Um, some other place I did not make the one place I did not make it to was Franklin and then I went to Discada and is um, it Veracruz oh, there's another t- a couple of taco places that I went Veracruz,
1: to Veracruz that's where I got the the Migas that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. like Those, a food truck The Migas truck. there
0: are ridiculous yeah yeah. and they have the Agua Fresca which are really good too yep but yeah that was actually Nolan that put together kind
1: of the itinerary for yeah, us. he set us up too. With yeah, a...
0: so it sounds like there was some overlap yeah. there, which shows that it was a good itinerary. Did you go to the other place that made like the fresh flour tortillas? Um, and it was like they did like a chorizo taco, and uh, they had like a brisket taco.
1: And I they don't were think so when we were there because we were we were kind of on a schedule because we had we got free passes to the to Hot Luck. So every day there was a different of the What is Hot Luck? Hot Luck is uh, Aaron Franklin's. Okay. Barbecue and music festival. Got it. Uh, so you know, every day there's uh, some kind of food event, and then usually at night there's there's bands playing, and they have different. You know, one was in a a, a bar, one was in a big field. So you know, we were kind of doing that. That's one of them was at Franklin Barbecue, so we didn't have to wait in line. Oh, that's yeah. That's we, how you had
0: that. Those fucking beef ribs. Why don't more people do? Beef ribs, or even like Trilingua, sometimes back in the day, I don't know if they do anymore. they get like they do like barbecue, like lamb shoulder and like lamb ribs. Like,
1: I feel like there should be more of that. Yeah, I mean, this thing was like a giant beef rib. I mean, it was yeah. kind of like when you go to the fair and you get the turkey, the turkey leg. leg, except yeah. it was better, only it was, beef was a rib. Franklin yeah. beef rib. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that they were kind of just walking around with them. And yeah, they didn't
0: definitely pummel people with those, yeah, it's like one of those tomahawk steaks and just yeah. kicking the shit out of something. It's a weapon, a too, if you it need is. one. It is. It's a dangerous weapon. Yeah. But a delicious, deliciously dangerous weapon. Austin is a really, really, I mean, it's not, obviously, not a secret that it's a great food town, but like I was pretty blown away by most of the things that I ate there. And the funny thing is I can't even remember them now because so it's like one of those things where that was literally the last thing before COVID. So my memory of it's all just, everything just became a shit show immediately when I got back. Um, I think that the harbinger for me was being at the airport in Boston and going through security. And there was a guy right in front of us who had just gone through the the checkpoint thing, you know, or through the the metal detector, and was picking up his bag because it came through the thing. And he was literally he he was slathering Purell onto his light driver's license, like onto his ID, like literally gobs and gobs of it. And he was also holding up the line while he was doing this. You had to watch him do it and this was disgusting and this person was an awful person clearly but it was also like <laughs> you know I'm like okay something's definitely going on here and this asshole somebody told this asshole to do that I don't know why but to this day I don't forget you don't forget the imagery of somebody just really going after it with a Purell oh, yeah. all over their driver's license like That was
1: the early stages when we yeah. had we had to sanitize everything Yeah you know and mean? you're like oh
0: it's, it's all right, buddy cuz you know what just give it a year and people will be fucking Firing bleach into their veins. Yeah. And uh, you know, you'll you won't even seem like an asshole anymore. That's you'll true. just seem like a regular guy. A guy who just wanted to purify his driver's license that's and not right. get COVID from it. So thank God. Uh so actually going back to sushi, so one thing that's I think in a lot of places is kind of common knowledge now, but I always like to talk about because I used to work at Miyaki, which is still it is not hasn't reopened yet with COVID, but it was like this is like two thousand ten, so it was the old location on, mm-hmm. on Spring Street. And at the time it opened, Portland actually was weirdly it seemed like kind of oversaturated with sushi places, which has not been the case. And when you opened it was like a breath of fresh air because it all of a sudden felt like there weren't that many anymore. I don't know why. But one of the things I noticed was the the really full flavor of the fish and also the quality of the, I was the first place I ever really noticed the quality of the rice, which really I think that's almost more of the nigiri experience than the fish. It's a like big when you part have of really it. good rice.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say they're equally as important, but you can't have one without the other. You can't have really high quality fish and low quality rice. It doesn't make sense. You know, no. it's like, you know, making your own bread and putting land of you lakes know, on it. Yeah. <laughs> putting like, you know, spread with sweet cream. Yeah. You know, Oscar Mayer bologna on there or something. But yeah. Same idea
0: but if you are going to eat Oscar Mayer bologna, you might as well
1: eat it on fresh baked bread. That's right, that's right. <laughs> if you have to eat yes. it, I can suggest fresh baked bread. Not to knock bread. Oscar Mayer, but...
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an American classic. Yes, German American classic. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Um, you know, it's it's just... It's basically the reason that we all like mortadella so much is because compared to Oscar Mayer, it's so fucking delicious, yes. you know? You're like, oh, bologna is not oh, all like that.
1: Fancy it's... bologna. No.
0: No. <laughs> It's even called baloney. Like, what the fuck? Like, that G is silent. Um, so, also, but another thing I noticed that Masa would do, and that I think was a, as a, uh, a technique sort of made popular by Yasuda, was the sort of the he would get the fish and then a certain kinds, obviously, not like, you know, shellfish and stuff, but put it in the super freezer and then it kind of allow it to cure as it comes back, you know, from temperature. And I think it's like, again, if you've watched like Anthony Bourdain and a lot of. Uh, other stuff now you can you know there's always that that it's it's more known that like the freshest fish is doesn't make the best sushi not at all. necessarily I mean,
1: depending on this su- on the, the fish, the fish but like oilier fish you don't want to do the curing right you want to the... it depends like mackerel we cure we cure mackerel we cure herring we cure um you know some some of those uh oilier fish but it's not like a it's not a big cure it's a light salt and uh, sugar mix And then it kind of Dunks into a, a vinegar Type thing It's not It's not in there For too long uh, Depending on the size Of the fish But like Tuna on the other hand You know You get tuna in fresh You don't want to eat Fresh tuna Not it's a lot not, of flavor No it doesn't Especially bluefin It's it, it needs to It needs to age Yeah To to develop flavors And it'd and, be a
0: dry age Obviously With these Yeah
1: right? we Well we age them in ice but you know you really gotta baby them you gotta t- you gotta check it every day and sometimes a couple times a day and you know there's i don't wanna give away all my secrets but well you know what you can tell people exactly what you do, and they'll still fuck it up so don't <laughs> worry about it <laughs> but yeah i mean like uh, we've taken the tuna to over 20 days for for the bluefin and um and that, what is the average that people who I, I think it fishing? depends on the chef and what they're looking mm-hmm. to do i don't I try not to ever serve it, you know, five to six days out of the water. Like that's kind of the cutoff. After five days, we will we'll start to serve it, and we'll we'll check it. You know, if some fish last longer than others, some we'll you can tell by looking at it. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I'll taste a piece of it, but uh. Now, when you dry age
0: meat, obviously, which
1: isn't in a freezer,
0: but. It obviously starts forming like the mold, like the mold and everything on the outside. What, what does the fish look like as it goes twenty days, for instance? And uh, the
1: outside like... will all be gray. Gray. So yeah. it'll it'll it won't get mold, but it'll start Oxidizer. to yeah, it'll yeah. start to oxidize, start to deteriorate. But when you cut that stuff off, the meat that's inside in Just the like middle it's, beef, is yeah. it's, it's gorgeous. It's it's like you know look you look at it and you'd say oh this thing's rotten, and you cut into it and it's this bright pink. Yep. With all the fat and it's it's gorgeous. So
0: like most good things. Most people at some point assume they were spoiled till some asshole was like, I'm gonna try that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. you know what? This is delicious. So we're gonna this is what we do now. Uh so you so the tuna you do and you said so and is the twenty days, is that something you do commonly now or is that sort um, of a special I'd say that's kinda the the long end of it, but we What age is better, the fattier cuts or the leaner cuts, or does
1: it matter? Um, well, you you gotta age both of them. Some some you don't want to take as as far. I think you know. I usually take the fattier cuts a little bit longer. Yep. Um, but even the lean cuts, you don't. If it's too fresh, it, it tastes like blood. It tastes like metal. Yep. You know, it's Tinny it's chewy. Yeah. It's chewy. It it you know it hasn't hasn't developed flavor. hasn't broken down. So it's not tender. It's kind of you know just chewy. I mean, it. Right. We used to joke joke around and call it like the toro that wasn't ready we call it chewbacca toro or something. Like, <laughs> yeah you know, instead of chew toro we call it, or like ch- cho- chewy toro chewy or something toro, yeah. yeah chewy guy that's yeah. another, chewy that's guy, another, that's, another yeah. concept you just
0: serve underage tuna yes. <laughs> that's basically what you do there you know it's yeah. a it's an acquired
1: taste we have a variety of bubble gums you can yeah bubble gum and yeah. underage tuna yes. that's a good concept i'm working to do
0: bubble gum nigiri i would laugh i would think that was delightful
1: I'll make one for you next time.
0: <laughs> good. I yeah, we're gonna get bubble gum nigiri. I want all different flavors. I want, uh, yeah, maybe one with fruit stripe gum that has no flavor after five seconds. Uh, you know that we would can be, make that happen. Yeah, maybe some watery unseasoned rice and fruit stripe. Yes. gum. that'd be the good okay. punishment nigiri.
1: <laughs> that's for br- brutal guy.
0: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's a brutal guy. Yeah, what is this nigiri? It's fruit stripe gum. What's the deal with the rice? It's Uncle Ben's. It's from a bag. We put a bag and boil. But you'll be you'll love it. It's the best. Talking about, you know, curing the fish. And actually, I think even more than tuna, a lot of times I notice it done with, with salmon. Like, the flavor of salmon really, really, really benefits, I think, from the aging.
1: Yep. So, the, the salmon, we do a cure on that. Uh, it doesn't go into the vinegar after. We just, um, we do a salt and sugar cure. Yep. Depending on the size of the fish, you know, you know, that'll determine the length of time. But it's not that long. It's anywhere between, you know, a half hour to an hour. That, that it's we're, that were actually it's under salt, okay, um, and that that does a lot of things to it. It brightens it up. It, it adds a little more flavor. It it, it gives it 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 uh, preserves it a yeah, little. I mean, is that but essentially, the same as making gravlacks. Yeah, tender, but not no? taking it as far. Okay. Like Gra- gravlacks, you submerge it in the salt and and um, I think I don't know exactly, but I think it's in there for a couple days. Okay, so. You know it, it the texture will will change too if you cure it you know when you have locks, you know it's like sticky and, yeah. and kind of tacky um, that'll happen a little bit on the surface of, of the salmon the way we prepare it but it won't it won't go all the way through it's more like just a, a quick cure right so we do that on salmon on the ocean trout uh, we do it uh, you can do it on Hamachi. I mean, you can pretty much do a salt uh, cure on any fish. Yeah, you know.
0: So to be safe, to say the one that you age the longest would be the tuna.
1: Definitely. Yeah, without a
0: doubt. One thing about, or I should say that, when you talk about preparing, you know, sushi and you know, being able like you know to take a something really decadent like Toro, but if you serve it too soon, how it's chewy and, and gross. Um, that's kind of the one reason I've never actually. Bothered teaching myself to prepare sushi at home Because I had this experience probably back in like 2005 Where somebody I know was like Hey, I'm making sushi tonight And he literally went to Brown And spent like 300, 400 bucks on fish A lot of money on fish Yeah And the sushi was absolutely terrible Like, because if you don't know how to cut it And you don't know like what you're doing I was like, it was almost like this traumatic experience That made me literally because of it I'm like, I'm sure I could figure it out now But like, because that was so upsetting knowing how badly those fish went to waste (laughs) on this horrible sushi, even though it was, like, technically some of the best fish. But, again, that was probably, A, it probably wasn't, obviously it wasn't aged. It was, like, you know, fresh
1: sashimi grade. Um, But, yeah, it was uh, was really upsetting. I mean, making sushi at home is fun. You know, it's, like, one of those things, like, oh, we're going to make sushi at home. It's, like, an activity. But unless you do it all the time, you know, you're going to spend a ton of money just... Mm -hmm buying all of the ingredients to make it. And, I kind of think yeah, of It's not it, really a pantry item. Yeah. Sushi. Yeah. You don't just, you know, reaching <laughs> well, the lazy sushi. So I was Susan. hammered
0: at three in the morning. And just tossed some sushi together off
1: yeah. my friends. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like cutting your own hair or something. You know? like, <laughs> well, again, I'm not going to cut my own hair. So just let the barber dude, do it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, when we go to a sushi place where they know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, why am I going to learn this? This is something that takes people a long time yeah. to learn to do, even passably, <laughs> you know? Definitely. Um, and so it's it's. I always think it's funny too. Like when, obviously you've been to like Corin, in New York. Yeah, and yeah. now we have, and Corin's one thing. We have Strada here now, which is a, a great knife shop. Love I Strata. absolutely love that place. Yeah. And I love that like you can even go there now. I love that they even managed to like nerd out on like flatware. Like this spoon is like all this stuff going on. I'm like, well, I don't think I needed a thirty dollar spoon, but now I feel like I need a whole set of them. Like, you know, the plates. It's just like I just they're one of those places that literally anything they stock I kind of trust is the best version of that.
1: I've yeah, I I've spent quite a bit of time just hanging out, especially when when they were in the old spot. You know, I would just I would just hang out with the guys and you know, just shoot the shit. And he's so into the whetstone Sharp oh things. yeah it's like there's just it's just like i didn't know there was this
0: much to even know about this like, yeah
1: he got me into it a little i bought a whetstone before that i uh, strictly just the just, you know the traditional stones yep. um but he's also you know convinced me to buy a lot of knives there which i don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily need but yeah but it, the it's... thing
0: about <laughs> his knives though like when you buy them it's like you you actually feel like you're getting what you pay for. Oh, yeah. It's like if you go to like Williams-Sonoma or whatever, you can spend the exact same amount on a knife that's not even close to what oh, you're going to no. get from Strata. And bringing up corn, the reason I brought up corn is I remember I've been there a couple times, but one of the things I noticed is I'm like, you got all these knives in the in the case. And it's like, well, I think one of the knives was something um, the upwards of like $10,000. And I was like, okay, now... Like, is it like cognac where it's like, how can you really tell, tell the difference between like a $3,000 knife and a $10,000 knife? And who needs a 10... In your opinion, who needs a $10,000 knife? What kind of... What what level of chef... I mean, does anybody in the world benefit from a $10,000
1: knife? I don't know if you necessarily need it, but yeah. it's it's like one of those... Status things. Yeah, I mean, when you're... Uh, when you're the showgun, I mean, you want to have a pretty kick-ass... Exactly, sword. Yeah. exactly. And these guys, that I mean, it's that's what you use every day it's it's your you know that's your main tool when you're a sushi chef so if you are going to spend on something it should be it should be the knife you know and they last forever if you take good care of them they last forever so it's an investment the way i see it but ten thousand dollar knife uh i don't think i'm just i don't think
0: yeah i feel like that must be based on the amount of labor that goes into it or
1: it can it is partially for show. Like some of these yeah. fancy sh- sushi chefs in Japan, like they have, you know, they pull out the sword. Like the the um, what's his name? They call him the sushi bay. Um, <laughs> it's not the salt bay. No, it's, it's like salt bay, but he's sushi bay. Um, <laughs> all these bays. But he, you know, he has all all the, you know, he probably does have all ten thousand yeah. dollar knives. And you look at his Instagram, and he's like cutting a melon with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to just I want to make sure
0: I can get a really nice cut on my steakums with uh, you know, a yeah. really, you know, a nice, nice you know a good thin. cut. I like to julienne the steakums with a right. dollar <laughs> knife, so perfect. That was that would be what salt bay would do. Salt yes, bay likes salt to salt bay. the steakums. Steakums. I don't even know why I I don't actually eat steakums, and I've only eaten steakums once. And even as the 15 year old, I think it was when I had them, I was like, "This is garbage. What is this? I don't understand." what and i like a lot of garbage yeah, food steakums. but that's one of the ones i was like no i don't
1: understand why you would ever think this is like i, I can eat garbage for for uh, for me it was like a i remember my i never got to eat stuff like that when i was a kid so when i was at my at my buddy's house across yeah. the street and he was busting out the steakums so <laughs> i was like wow this this is a big deal no, this like we got we got steak like <laughs> this holy seat. crap like this is a special occasion yeah. they have steakums um but yeah, now if I ate them now, I'd probably <laughs> yeah. Be like, what the fuck is? this?
0: They remind me of like what <laughs> they would serve in the cafeteria in like second grade. Yeah, on beef sandwich day, mystery uh, meat, mystery meat. Yeah, and it's funny, but I, the thing is, I can definitely appreciate the you know the things like that, but steakums in particular, I'm just like I don't I don't understand these. Um, and as far as that uh, serving steakums, as far as uh, faux pas, when, I remember when I was talking to Masa. One time I was asking him what the most, masamiyaki. what are the most annoying things when people come into the restaurant that they can do in front of you? And the two things that stood out to me was, A, when people start sharpening their chopsticks. <laughs> they just, yeah, that whole, because he's like, I don't understand why you aren't even eating with that. person. <laughs> you're like, why, why are you doing that to the chopsticks? Like, I don't get it. That and he's like also when people just take all the wasabi and immediately toss it into the soy and mix it around. Right. I don't know where that all
1: came from. Yeah, what the, what's the deal with all those? What's the deal with the sharpening the fucking chopsticks? I have no idea. I think people, you know, they think that's the, the norm and then Right. They, they don't, everybody wants to fit in. You don't yeah, want to look stupid. They don't want to walk into the sushi bar and be like, "Oh, the chef's going to laugh <laughs> at me cuz I didn't sharpen yeah. my na- or my uh, chopsticks or, you know, turn my my soy sauce into like a right. a, a goop." And this of- warm towels to
0: wipe your tongue down wipe your palate down right. so it's ready for the sushi yeah you know? sure sure i like to just put it around my neck <laughs> yeah know? like a kerchief. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh this is perfect i had a headache so i'm gonna go ahead <laughs> thank and, you yeah this hot compress i had a <laughs> sty, and so now i'm gonna go ahead and yeah. take care of that before dinner so thank you for this
1: well, there was a lot of stuff like that in, when we were in japan just you know they the places we're at they didn't speak english and you know you just kind of look around and see what other people are doing right. because yeah. you don't want to look stupid no you don't but, um, you know, everything has its purpose for sure.
0: Yeah, it seems like if you, as somebody, if you say if you were serving, you know, fresh wasabi root and then you watch somebody just take the whole thing and just oh, <laughs> toss I, it into I, a big
1: of soy, like... You know, we try to tell people, you know, we don't want to be pushy, but we no. tell, you know, we tell people... You know the hand rolls on the cart will be like, oh, you know, all these are dressed because we do. It's already soy on. We the brush, yeah. we right. brush our the nakiri, which is our our blend, our our seasoned soy sauce. We brush it on the fish. Um, but you know, people are gonna do what they want, so we can't we can't tell them. We can no. suggest to them, right. you know, this is how you should eat it, but
0: it's like yeah, because you you don't you don't want to be pushy because that's the worst. But at the same time, you also, you're like, I know how that's not going to taste better when you do that to it. If <laughs> you dump a bunch of soy sauce on that, it's not going to taste nearly as good as it could for you. Right. Um, and, you know, you have to really, sometimes, you'd be surprised how much, I mean, you're not probably not surprised anymore, but how much you have to hold people's hands. Because when I was actually at Miyaki, we used to serve these um, whelks in like a conch shell. And they had little toothpicks. They were like braised whelks or whatever. And they were served on, like, a bed of rock salt. to The shell was positioned on it. And I remember, like, I served them to this party one time. And I went over to be like, you know, how was the, <clears throat> how are the whelks? And they're like, they're delicious. They're a little salty. <laughs> and they had taken them and just flipped <clears throat> up the shell and mixed it all oh, into no, the rock no, salt. No. And we're eating, the, it was, like, probably a literally over, like, a cup and a half of salt.
1: Oh, that's messy. I up.
0: mean, it was disgusting. And they were just, like, and they just, and you could tell. Like, they thought that maybe they didn't want to look, they didn't know what to do with it. Didn't want to look stupid and ended up looking. I mean, I still tell the
1: story, so thank you for that. I mean, I'm glad they did it, but it's like it happens. Like we served like a little piece of banana leaf under under things. It's no. just for show. Yeah, people try to eat it. Sometimes. Yeah, Devin and
0: Aragosa is like I can't put moss on the plate anymore. Like but- <laughs> people, they inevitably put the whole thing in their mouth. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I'm like, yeah. I noticed there were some rocks. I was like, a, a polished stone on the plate. She's like, nobody's gone quite that far yet. I thought but... this
1: was like Noma, where you yeah, eat them, the lichen. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, how do you know? I, I, although I will say, in these people's defense, I am not a fan of inedible garnish, personally. Um, I mean, it's one thing when you when it's served on a vessel that it might have been steamed in or whatever. Right. Like you should know not to eat that. But when when people do, never I watch like like a cooking show or something with a competition, and they're trying to add flair by adding all these props to the dish. I'm like, oh, that yeah. is awful.
1: Like, we're going to have this hanging off of a, you know, yeah. a string that's on top of a candle so it cooks <laughs> table-side. Yeah. And... Like, no, unless you're going to eat the candle.
0: Yeah. Or they're like, hey, I'm going to garnish this with all the lobster, or like the lobster shell head. Right. I'm
1: just going to put that over the whole thing, even though you can't eat it. Or the, the old school, like, upside-down martini glass where you... you <sighs> Yeah, you put a little surprise inside the glass and then you can <laughs> you can play it on on top of it too on on the base of the glass. How yeah. did any whoever thought of that, you know, just just Maybe a genius, you know, I like it was, it was huge how? in the 80s, it was right. And then in the 90s, people were like,
0: Oh, we can just stack food without the martini glass, right? We're just gonna stack it real high, and everybody will yes. assume, you know, there's so many layers of flavor here. Um, and as far as layers, <laughs> I'm not literally trying to dance into the next things like this, but it's just working out that way. Uh, layers of flavor. You recently you had posted about um, getting good at tamago, so the Japanese omelet, um, which is getting better a thing. Yeah. yeah. So first off, hi Tony. First off, so generally with with tamago, are you putting a little bit of dashi into the egg? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So there's a little bit of dashi, yep. and then how important, I mean, is it to have the the rectangular pan? for that i mean i guess you're probably gonna you need it yeah right
1: if you're i mean there's there's other types of tamago but that that traditional rolled omelet you need the pan you really want the pan because it's that's that's where the shape comes from that's where the technique all goes around is you you need the pan so uh, i would say yes yeah definitely and do you make it with chopsticks yeah yeah we use chopsticks well it's um I'm just always fascinated with this technique. I know it's technically The flip just is the hard part. Yeah, the flip is the hardest part. To, you know, and that's, that's the part that I, you know, I struggled over the years. And you know, the more you make it, the better you get. And well, that's since, one of the
0: things that stands out from the Giro documentary is that the apprentice is talking about how literally it was like it took six years for them. Oh, yeah. to be Like I like this egg.
1: <laughs> and he threw it out every day, <laughs> yeah, every time. You, you yeah. Know. Uh, no, it's definitely something you gotta you gotta practice. You know, and since we started, it wasn't on the menu before at Mr. Tuna until last year. So I've made them before, but over the last year, you know, you, we have to make it every day. So, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You're not you're not aging the egg sushi. No. <laughs> I mean, you could hold it another day or two, right. but, you know, it's I mean, it best when it comes it, right yeah. out. And, right. You know, you cool it down. It's one of the
0: best things. When done right, it is like ethereal and absolutely fucking delicious and Incomparable to any other egg dish, I've had. Uh, <clears throat> I keep telling masamiyaki stories, but this is a good one. He, for my birthday one year, he he knows I love it so much, right? So he made me a cake out of tamago, and uh, it said it was like in, written in like oysters or eel sauce, like "Happy Birthday, Josan" on top. But then to fuck with me, uh, he knows that literally there's only two foods in this world that I don't really like. One of them is frozen peas, and the other one is natto beans. I just don't like natto because I don't like. It's not the flavor; it's the snotty texture right. is gross. So what did he do? He just he garnished the whole thing with like lots of daikon and natto. So daikon, which is fine, but the smell of daikon sometimes. So, but he took something I really loved and then he covered it with something I hate, and that's sort of the experience in a nutshell. <laughs> I love the guy. Yeah, like, natto. That's his sense of humor, and I was like trying to eat this thing, and yeah, natto beans. What's I mean? They just I don't. It, I don't get. That that, was, I don't
1: get mochi either, but I mean. Natto is one of the few things in Japan that I, I, I wasn't completely, you know, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't for me. No. You know, like I, it may be, you know, five ten years from now, my pal will change and and it's essentially like fermented know, soybean. Yeah, the mean, texture yeah. is t- tough to get by. It too. is like, literally
0: if you eat if you eat a forkful of it or a full, and you open your mouth, it's sort of like alien, where it's like oh yeah, you yeah. kind of
1: that w- that one was tough. Um, Pretty much. I don't think anything else was. I mean, I ate horse meat while I was there. Yeah, but yeah, it's like horse sashimi. Yeah, horse sashimi, yeah. and you know, you just put wasabi on it, and yeah, it's I mean, it's a little nice. texturally different. Well, do... It doesn't have a strong flavor though. Oh, I
0: would eat. I mean, it's like eating uh, beef tartar. I mean, it's just yeah. a different kind of meat. Yeah, I mean, like because in elk. Italy they eat a lot of horse. Yeah,
1: I mean, there was a restaurant in the town or the next town over from where when I grew up with that that was the thing, It specialized in horse meat, and that was open until, you know. early 90s i think it closed but it was a very popular spot i mean people it was just kind of normal to eat horse yeah i
0: mean i I, i'm not gonna knock it yeah no (laughs) i actually don't think i've actually had horse but i have no i would have no problem eating it i mean as far as you know i'll pretty much try anything once yeah outside of like human at this point I think it might take me a while to build up to try human meat. But. Right. Well, you never know. You <laughs> you know if you're in I a mean, situation. In the right situation, <laughs> this is why I don't go camping. But right. if I did and we got lost in the woods, I'd probably have to eat whoever you know, I'd try it. But at the same time, I've been kind of um, throughout my life, I've been ensuring that if that situation were to happen, because I'm such a princess, I'm sure I'd die first. And I'd be delicious because, you know, I was sort of turning my liver into foie gras, kind nice. of becoming uh, Kobe You've beef, been preparing yourself for that preparing moment. myself to be delicious essentially <laughs> if people had to eat I want them to eat well and like I said I am when it comes to survival I'm just not gonna make it this uh <clears throat> at one point I had been talking with this production company about all pitching all these shows to TV stations and Sort of one of the last ditch ones after we were sort of into our good ideas was they were like, yeah, like Discovery Channel has a thing and they they want to do this like sort of like survival cooking show where we drop you in the woods or some shit like that or someplace. And I was like, well, if we did that show, there'd be literally one episode because I would die in it and there'd be no more. And that'd be it. Is that on the Food Network. Or? That was that was going to be on. That was what they were going to pitch to Discovery. Right. Okay, <laughs> which, okay. Yeah. It didn't make it. So yeah. Surprisingly, nobody nobody picked that one up. I don't know. Yeah, they went with uh, Naked and Afraid instead. Was I <laughs> was at, actually at Coles one time. We we're talking about Coles earlier, which we love Coles. And I was like, well, I was there randomly for like a lunchtime, show, like on Saturday, eating, and that was on the TV while I was eating, which was tough to watch. Although you do like to be like, you know what. It's almost like the, the, I told you. Like you're watching these people, and you're like, they're miserable. And you're like, well, you know what? You're the one that went on a show called Naked and Afraid or Alone. Yeah, Afraid.
1: It's, I think that's what it is. This
0: girl was like trying to, so hard. You know, obviously they're in some tundra or some shit. I don't know. And the only water was this, like you know, like <laughs> these like <laughs> tide pools essentially. So this girl, I just watched this girl trying to like. Boil the water and make it potable, and then drink it. And she's just like throwing up; like it's just so disgusting. And I was just like, "This is, you know what? This is how badly you wanted to be on TV."
1: Yeah, I don't think that show is very practical, too. Because you'd think, if you know, if if you're out <laughs> yeah. in, in, you know, you get lost in the woods yeah. or whatever, and you're naked, I think your first priority would be to find some some sort of cover. yeah. Not even because of like
0: you know. Being self-conscious, but more just to protect your right.
1: parts. So, like a, a, a wild animal doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you or know? you're like trailblazing in a bunch of you know brush. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
0: don't need to get Like You don't
1: go through the pricker bush. That's right. Pants on. That's right.
0: Yeah. You know. so There's nothing to do with being modest. It's just you don't want it. You want to protect them. Yeah, that show. I I just don't. I mean, even Survivor for me was like this is fucking dumb. But like that show was like I was. Like, yeah. This is really the epitome of dumb. And I don't feel bad for any of these people no. at all. So, um, I'm like, well, how did I bring that up? Oh, I was <laughs> yes. talking about getting eaten. If right. uh, if it was a, if we were in alive and I was on the plane and I made it somehow through the crash, that would be what what would happen. Uh, so, I'm sort of staying on the sushi thing because that's what I like to talk about because I'm obsessed with sushi. If I literally had if I had one like a, like a dying meal like the death row meal, I'd probably eat like. Fifty pieces of nigiri, and one of every item on the menu at McDonald's, because it's eating McDonald's with out. no consequences. Yeah. You know, like eating every single thing at McDonald's and not feeling like shit because you're dead. Like, why not? It's like it's scientifically engineered to be delicious. So I'm going to eat that after I have my sushi. Uh, so I'm going to keep yeah, talking. Definitely about that. eat the sushi first. Yeah, I don't think the ch- Yeah, I don't think the Big Mac to Saba transition. It's uh, pretty rugged, um, but. So Maine, obviously, a, a lot of our uni here is
1: sold in Japan, basically, right? It goes to Japan, or is it mostly consumed here? Uh, or? I think there is a, a decent amount going to Japan um, just to kind of fill in the gaps for them because they eat a lot of uni. Yeah, and what's and, the difference between the, the uni here and the Japanese uni? Uh, it's similar, actually. Yeah. I, um, the The temperatures... You know, where the best uni, some of the best uni in Japan come from Hokkaido. In the north, it's cold water. Colder. Yeah,
0: generally most shellfish are, are kind of think
1: the colder the yeah. water, the better, right? Um, there are a lot of... I I, I actually prefer main uni over any uni that I've tried. I haven't had a ton of different uni in Japan. I mean, if you go to in Japan, you know, you could get uni from 30 different parts of, you know, Japan. And they're all... A little different. bit different. That's cool. Um, but compared to like West Coast Uni or Peruvian Uni, I you know, the, the main stuff is, you know, it's it's the best in my opinion. Uh, I think a lot of it is going, you know, is going to New York. It's going to L.A. It's going to to the cities where there, there are sushi, bar, like more high yeah, end yeah. sushi bars. Um, yeah. Uni is one of those things <clears throat> like I'm I don't. Love the idea of
0: budget sushi anyway, but if I were going to go to like sort of uni and like
1: Ankimo or things that I'd probably avoid at the sort of middle of the road places. Yeah, yeah. Uni is, I mean, we go through a lot of uni, and so we're, it's yeah. it's it turns over very quickly, and that's not, that's definitely one of the ones you don't want to age. Uh, you want it. Oh yeah. You want to well, serve uni yeah. as, as, as soon yeah. as you can. Yeah. No, it'd basically be like eating low tide if you. to yeah. age I mean, then it, a lot of times people are, you know, they're, I don't, I don't like uni. It's like, well, do you Wait, not you like uni or did you have a bad. bad, bad uni? Because if you had bad uni, you're never going to want to eat Especially if you look at like, a piece
0: of, of nigiri or I guess it would be maki, you usually wrap it in nori. Yeah, like, they,
1: they call that the gunkan. So <laughs> the, the, it's like a bat, gunkan, yep. which is battleship. So uh. it's like, those are like the little, the little piece of, you know, it's the same size as a piece of nigiri and it has the seaweed wrapped around it and then they put the uni or the ikura on top um and yeah that's all you it's like a big bite of right. uni so that better be good uni yeah. because if it's not you're in for a oh, it's, it's, you know there's not there's not much worse than bad uni i mean no i think like other bad shellfish are right up there like crab meat or Oof. if you have you know rotten lobster i mean that's that's pretty rough i think that yeah any batch of muscles clams a bad clam a bad clam is rugged
0: muscles are funny like i'll sometimes i'll i'll go to these i mean i do not as much anymore but go to events where they have past hors d'oeuvres and when they come around with muscles and i'm like i'm not having those like because you're watching them just preparing them in bulk and you're like why would you eat muscles that are prepared in bulk but nobody's bothering till you know, like, there's just no, you know, line. You just ask yeah. them to get a bad
1: muscle. And that'll ruin, like one bad muscle can ruin. You know. Three days. Yeah. Yeah, if you
0: get food poisoning you're, you're from a bad muscle. Yeah, it's one of the, I got it from shrimp cocktail one time, which you was very unfortunate. <laughs> it was definitely like three days of like feeling like somebody was just jamming a knife into my stomach mm. is what it pretty much felt yeah, like. Yeah, I've been there. I've had it three times. Once from Arby's, randomly in two thousand one. The other from eating shirt muscles in at Arby's. <laughs> yes, I was having uni. I was having the um, I was having curly fries with my uni, and uh, it somehow it's a, I was like, you know what, guys, I don't think this was very fresh. The uni at Arby's is just not what it used to be. Um, yes, it, yeah. was
1: just, it was a supplement. It was <laughs> well, I added on. It's yeah. a twenty-five dollar add on yeah, to the yeah. value
0: menu. Uh, as my uni. Um, no. Okay. Tony, that's, Tony. that's not yours. Can, no, it's that's me. not your stuff, Tony. He uh, do you tona. ever actually do you work? I, I don't think I've had ankimo uh, at Mr. Tuna. Do you work um, with that much or
1: not too often? I mean, the seasons uh, over the winter, um, we've had it. We've did it uh, for our omakase dinners, and um, yeah, we did it last year uh, for a little bit. You know, it's one of those. It's tough to sell. I mean. You know, we, we kind of have to push it on to people because... Yeah. I mean, if people come in looking for Ankimo, then they, you know... I like
0: it in that sort of like yeah style. It's yeah, the really torshan's
1: good. good. We also have done it before where you just kind of... You clean it, um, you don't roll it, and you um, kind of like poach it in like a, like a soy and sake mirin mixture. Uh, and that's, that's actually a really... A really cool way to eat it. Sounds delicious. Um, but uh, I've never really yeah. seen the correlation
0: between ankimo and foie gras. Well, if you don't know, ankimo is monkfish liver. Right. People
1: are always like, yeah, it's like the foie gras of the
0: sea. I'm like, they're actually pretty goddamn different. Yeah, flavor wise, a hundred percent different. Yeah, right.
1: I mean, texturally, it can yeah. they can be somewhat similar. They have like a lot of a lot of fat in it. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly fat. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely not a, a great representation of, of you know, f- f-
0: foie. Right. Yeah, know. it's a slightly different eating experience. Yeah. Um, do you? And I'm another one that I've 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 always enjoyed. I've had it, you know, four or five times. Is the Scirocco, the cod sperm. Yeah. Do you work with that at Mister Tuna much? Or
1: uh, we have a little is. Um, i ate quite a bit of it in japan it was in season when i was there
0: it helps that it was, it was almost reminiscent of eating tofu when i yeah it's
1: it. you know a lot of times if you don't tell people what it is or we used to tell people it was uh the male eggs which you know is essentially what it is, yeah, what it the is. Eggs are. yeah yeah they're like oh the male eggs oh, that's that, that sounds good uh yeah, you like, yeah, I'll try it's, that. It's, it's, it's cod farm. They, but if they you, inseminate,
0: yeah, they just, they, they're people that fluff the cod. And, if you
1: tell people it's sperm, you know, they're...
0: Like, Usually tell them after they eat it that it's sperm. is the. Best I, that's
1: animal. what I did with Marissa. We actually, we <laughs> ate a Hugo's
0: on Valentine's actually, Day. Actually, I think like, when the Rob Evans episode, I I think, Chris, are we talking about cod sperm on that? And I was like, you jerk off the fish. Yeah, that's... No. The, <laughs> You gotta take it out for dinner first. <laughs> you do, that's right. The fish. I'm not
1: gonna kick it out of bed for eating crackers. All right. But no. yeah, you know we yeah we haven't done much with Scirocco, but I I am a fan of this it. This is a good angle. Yeah, yeah. and it's a nice, you sure know, it's flattering. You know this. I've only had it prepared a couple of different ways. So either you steam it or you fry it. Yep. And frying it is is you know the definitely the more approachable for people. You know.
0: It's, I feel like a lot of Japanese food is really, is is texture, like, and and what makes it sort of, and again, I was talking about, and and you were agreeing with me about natto beans, because it's not so much the flavor of it. The flavor is, I thought it kind of tasted like baked beans a little bit. That's what it reminded me of. So I wasn't really turned off by the flavor, but that, that texture is really awful. Another Japanese delicacy that I don't understand is mochi. Which generally is eaten on New Year's, right?
1: Uh, Not I, mochi ice I, cream. I think they, yeah, I think they eat it on on New Year's, but it, it's it's available year round. I it's mean, like it's, a ball of silly, silly putty is what it seems yeah, it, like. You it's kind of like it. gum that you swallow, almost, you know? I mean, that's, it, as we know from growing up, you are never supposed to swallow You're your right, gum because right. that
0: stays in your stomach for eternity.
1: It's grown on me, though. I didn't <laughs> like it in the beginning when I first started eating it, but I actually like it now. Huh. Yeah. It doesn't seem like just a pleasurable eating experience. You? It's, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things, you know, in Japan that they like funny textures. You right. Know? Weird textures. Are well, even like too. cartilage and things like that. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, those are, yeah. Whereas here, it's nobody, nobody's into it. I, well, I guess it's more when it, with the mochi. I always feel like I'm going to choke on it. Yeah, it's always you know, like you start eating it, and it's always like, oh god, this is like it's like drinking a cement mixer, which I have, <laughs> you know, like I don't like this tech, and I am not comfortable swallowing this because I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to wash this down. I feel like it's because it gets plugged in there, I saw that you posted on Instagram a picture of salacious crumb. Uh, from, right, from Return right. of the Jedi, which was obviously Jabba the Hutt's uh, lovable furry companion. Right, right. Um, what is your take? So I'm a big Star Wars fan,
1: but I mean, I'm mean, i assuming you are too, if you I'm, are you. I You know what? Kyle is the big Star Wars ah, fan, and okay. it's kind of like a little inside joke between me and him. Because you don't like Star Wars. No, I don't not like Star Wars, <laughs> but I'm not a super Star Wars guy. You right. know, I actually just started rewatching them recently, but I mean, as a kid, I was, I was, um, I don't know. I think I was just more into sports. You know, you kind of have to pick one. Maybe No, you don't. Cause I was into both. <laughs> and <laughs> but, I, but the thing is, my Star
0: Wars is only the first three. Like right. I don't get, and I was going to be like, what's your, t-? cause everybody's like, Oh, the movies. I'm like, I didn't like those. And they're like, Oh, the Mandalorian. And I'm like, I tried it. And I'm like, I don't not like this. It's okay, but I don't think of it as like Star Wars. I'm like, I wish it was just a separate thing called The right. Mandalorian and had nothing to do You're with the- Star Wars, and I'd enjoy it more. I don't like
1: these when they keep trying to bring things. They force down your throat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like I like Star Wars, and I like I actually watched the whole Mandalorian, which was pretty cool. But I I wasn't um, you know so invested in Star Wars that I that I would be like, oh, this isn't. This is not real Star Wars. One. What is this? There was one person that wanted to
0: fight me because I posted about trying to watch The Force Awakens, and I went, and I got, like, I went to, I was like, I'm going to go for the the Omni, is it, is it the Omni Theater still, or is that dating? No, it was like, what's it, what am I, IMAX Omni Theater. That's like the fucking Boston Science Man or some shit. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? Uh, yeah, so the, the IMAX, I got, like, the IMAX 3D or whatever. I got, I got the most expensive movie ticket there was. I don't go to the movies often. And I started watching The Force Awakens, and I got about 45 minutes to it. When I left because I'm like, this sucks. And I just don't, I'm like, I just don't, I don't do well with the callbacks with like when something is, it's been a really long time, like 30 years and they try to make a movie. The only time I've ever actually enjoyed that was Cobra Kai, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I did like Cobra Kai. and Because cause Cobra Kai, like <clears throat> compared to like when they try to make a, you know, when they make a Ghostbusters after 30 years or they try to bring Star Wars back, even though I guess there have been movies throughout the years that haven't been good. But Cobra Kai to me, I was like, okay, this actually makes sense. Like this would happen. It's Johnny, present time. He's kind of a loser. Yeah. Daniel is like successful, but he's also an asshole. Right. Um. And it and I love how they're both assholes, and it like follows both of them, and you're like, I actually believe this is what would have happened to both of them as adults, and it's really entertaining. Oh,
1: yeah. And I, I mean, I grew up watching Karate Kid. Yeah. I that wore was, the VHS tape yeah. out. I watched it so yeah. much. Like I wanted to be. Danny at LaRusso, That was yeah. I took I took karate for except for you like didn't a year. Ha, you didn't want to get stuck with his mom though. No, no, she no. was the worst. But yeah, I mean, I wanted I wanted Mr. Miyagi to train me, and
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you know. it. I
1: mean, and you want and you
0: were like, if I do, if I work hard enough, somebody will just give me a yeah, car. Maybe that's I'll just... how it goes. Just pick a car out. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, I just happen to have twelve cars, and yeah, Mr. Miyagi. I mean, that's that was. Uh, yeah, that, I think uh, that, and I think I wore out the tape on like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I watched incessantly. Oh, yeah, that memorized. one.
1: In high school, it was Scarface. I think that was a. Our... Which is,
0: by the time you and I are in high school, we're definitely getting retro on that because I yeah. listened to a lot of like mid 90s rap, which, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of Wu Tang, which was sampling Scarface. And you're like, oh, you know what's funny is I've never seen Scarface. I should watch that. Yeah. And you're like, then you go out to adults, you're like, have you seen Scarface? And they're like, yeah, I mean, in 1982, I, yeah. I watched it. Have um, you heard
1: of Led Zeppelin? <laughs> if
0: you, there's this <laughs> band, okay? This guy, Led Zeppelin. The mm. Actually, it is funny. This Just this past, or a week ago from Sunday, so not this past weekend, I actually watched, for the first time I watched The Shining. I had never seen The Shining. Have you seen it? Yeah,
1: yeah it's, okay. it's fucked up.
0: It is fucked up. It also made me want to be like, hey, guys, have you seen The Shining? But because I just I didn't grow up. I don't I'm not a horror movie guy. I just and because I always like associated horror movies back then with like the really gratuitous ones like Friday the 13th and all those like poltergeists and all that yeah nightmare on elm street yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly halloween um which i mean you watch them now and you're like eh. but back then i was fucking terrified of him even when dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince did a song about freddy krueger he was still scary to me even with will smith in the oh, picture yeah.
1: i used to have nightmares because i like i don't and know night- why but my parents nightmares let me on watch elm street yeah they let me watch nightmare on elm street when i was like eight years and old. and he like he burns
0: and eats kids in yeah. elm, and that's his whole jam is like yeah. eating children while they're sleeping right
1: and then you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I remember dream. there was one, one of them. I don't remember which one, but like they, you wake up the, 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 um, you know, a kid wakes up and like Freddie's there and then they, they're like, oh shit. I, and they go back to sleep. But then they wake up again and he's there again. And it's like a dream <laughs> inside of a dream inside of a dream and. I used to, you know, that shit used to haunt me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. Yeah. Why wouldn't it haunt you? You know, yeah. it's like
0: basically be like, oh, you know what? When you're the least safe is when you go to sleep. So now you can laugh yourself to sleep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this like, will be great. Thanks. Thanks for letting me watch that, mom. Yeah,
0: I'm like, <laughs> wow. They turned that kid into pepperoni on a pizza. That's really stupid, but that's really scary to me because I'm, you know, six. Uh, this is the worst. Yeah. So anyway, as a result, I never watched things like The Shining. And even though they've been referenced a million times throughout my life, like I've almost like knew every scene. I'd never actually watched it. And uh, I, I'm happy to report The Shining is a good film. It is. I am I am comfortable. <laughs> I think it, it it
1: holds to these times. Oh, it's amazing. Know?
0: I mean, it's very like deeply like psychological. And the way yeah. it's shot is absolutely beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. again, this is, somebody's going to, if they listen, they'll be like, is he really talking about <laughs> The Shining and how well it's shot? Because, you know, it's new to me. Okay. This is all new to me. But. It's very, uh, I guess, the whole Kubrick thing. I, I mean, i have seen Clockwork Orange a million times, but I'd never watched The Shining. Because Clockwork Orange was another one that was cool to watch because of something that was a pop culture reference at the time. Uh,
1: That's before we started taking drugs, so I don't think I... It, it was. I, I couldn't appreciate it when I first No, watched. and it was not
0: <laughs> a, a great movie to get inspired by when you were doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. It was all about, like tripping out than being really violent. And losing your mind. Yeah, they're kind of wiling out, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. Most of, the, most of my... I mean, I did a lot of drugs in, in my life, but in high school, I did a, lot of, a shitload of acid. I was always... Uh, I used to sell acid, and I would, like... I was terrible at it. I'd just walk into a party and be like, okay, I'm going to give everybody a dose. I want everybody to trip. I, was, I didn't really sell. Personally. Yeah. I just sort of gave it out. Um, but it gave me an excuse to buy a lot of it at once, to do that with... Yeah, but we, we dabbled <laughs> just, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, you know. But I to like, I remember like listening to like nine- inch nails and I mean, I definitely would listen to things that were sort of disturbing in that state, but Clockwork Orange was not in the, in the mix for me.
1: Yeah, you don't want to trip out and watch
0: Clockwork Orange. No. I did pitch a game though in baseball. I pitched on acid and I went to football practice. and I, my family and I went to Europe and I tripped on the plane going there. And then I tripped in Christmas Mass. Um, back when they used to make me go to church, which was the worst. So, but it's actually church is much worse on acid. I, I, I tried to the...
1: stay out of public. I remember one time we were at KFC, and um, I remember that the like the chicken biscuit was melting into my hand, and yeah, I, I was like, there was a guy, you know, some old guy next to us, and I, I was like, this guy won't stop staring at us, and <laughs> he then I'm knows. like, I'm thinking, yeah, I was like, he knows, <laughs> knows. but then I'm looking, I'm like. No, we're just, like, in public, totally fucked up yeah. right now. Yeah, you're like, where am I at? Melty guy? Yeah, like this guy. That's a <laughs> yeah, mother, melty guy. Melty guy yes. is
0: more of a hallucinogen. Yes, yeah. we,
1: you know, we dose all the chickens.
0: So. Yeah, or we just dose you so much that you think the chicken's melty. Right. Yeah. It's actually
1: crispy, but, it's, but
0: it's it doesn't in matter your, to it's you all because in Because your if head. you're actually hungry, you're probably not doing enough drugs. That's right. Um, the, yeah, that was, the whole thing about public is you sort of had to, em- you have to kind of embrace it and be like, you know, it's okay if everybody knows because I'm an asshole, and that's that's fine. And that was what I usually went with. I've actually I've sort of <clears throat> recently dabbled a little bit with a microdosing, which uh, I think is is fun. It's a good. I, I don't really. I, well, I don't. I don't drink booze anymore, and I never really kind of. I don't know. weed I feel like I should be more into it than I am. I just can't. It's just not really my whole thing. I
1: want it to be, but it just doesn't really do
0: it for me for whatever reason. But I do like mushrooms.
1: Yeah. Microdosing's cool. I, I think I just have a you know addictive personality where I, would I can't really about that. microdose anything. You know, either, I like to macrodose. Whether it's like pizza or anything, it's like, no. you know, don't just eat one slice. I was like, right, let's order a whole pizza. Again, you know who
0: eats one slice? psychopath that's right The same person who's like i'm so full from the tootsie pop that i took an hour to eat i think i only want one slice of pizza stay away from that guy yeah he's the worst yeah yeah no i'm definitely more throughout my life into macro dosing than micro dosing 100 but i you know it's kind of cool like because it's regulated it's not like it's not like here here's one but here's a whole bunch more you could actually it's like here take one and forget about it like yeah i
1: think the older you get the more you realize that Microdosing is the move and not, you don't want to get all fucked up yeah like right. even with weed it, you know like when back in the day we would just smoke blunt after blunt and yeah. just try to get as high as we can and yeah. now it's like i actually have things to do you know yeah maybe uh you and know, it's like, not so cool if people necessarily now see me all out of my mind oh yeah you know and i you know we used to joke you know about the old old man weed you know like why why do old men smoke the shittiest weed or old people, or whatever, because they don't want to get that high. Yeah, and now yeah. I real I get yeah. it. I'm like, okay, this makes sense because the weed nowadays is so strong, right? So know, they're like, we like to have fun when we smoke. Yeah, but I go like, of instead of just mind. stare yeah. at you know
0: stare at the wall. Yeah, for wonder, five hours. Do they know? Yeah. Or do they know? <laughs> it's yeah. It's do like you, the weed. Do you think the people stri- at work know that I'm high right
1: now? <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't even. Wa- I mean, that's why I I've cut back a lot over the years, and I've you know i have actually quit from time to time right now i'm not smoking but yeah i mean it's good to take a break from anything yeah. even if, even if the focus is
0: to make it better when you do start again yeah you know it's like you start oh, it is things. definitely
1: better once you well sometimes it's a little too intense but yeah that, that first smoke after taking yeah. taking a couple months off it, you might as well take a hit of acid at that point
0: yeah which also you know I've done. I did. Well, I actually I talked about it on the show. I did randomly did acid for the first time in a while, like a year ago. And I actually, yeah, it was somebody gave me a lot very randomly. And uh, yeah, I still. I, I actually, I, I didn't think I'd be as into it as an adult. But the, I feel like the older you get with uh, the hallucinogens, like they tend to. um this sort of gets into the the, the brain talk, speak, but there's a thing called the default mode network, which is basically, I don't know if you know what that is. It's like the default mode network is basically what makes you the way you are. Like the reason that you normally judge somebody for this, or you fly off the handle for this, or you're, or you like that, like just like your, your, your default behaviors and thoughts and the way you just approach things that make it really hard to change a lot, you know, like the, just that sort it's of just, are your mannerisms. just how you are. Learned behavior. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And hallucinogens are like one of the things that can actually kind of shut that off for periods of time in like a therapeutic way so you can really sort of expand and explore your yeah. mind and, and, you know, in different possibilities, not be so fucking judgy.
1: No, it's good to just kind of, it's good to do that every once in a while. Yeah. And it, it kind of, you know, even when I was quitting smoking from time to time and then I'd I'd be like, I just want to smoke to, to get another perspective, you know? Right. You get a different perspective, your, your brain's thinking a different way and, you might look at something, oh, wow, wow, I've been acting like an asshole, you know? Yeah, you might be like, imagine that. You know what? Yeah. M- maybe I wasn't right yeah, this maybe, whole time. You know? So, yeah, I, I can see that.
0: Yeah. The, it's funny, though, with, it, like, you know, you and I, when we were in high school and the, the way things are now with, with weed, it's like literally... Everywhere it's like every I noticed that every space that's been like a cursed restaurant space is now a dispensary. Like they finally oh, yeah. stopped putting restaurants there and they're like, you know, we're gonna try a dispensary now and this will actually stay open. Yeah,
1: it's there's no cursed dispensary. <laughs> no,
0: you can, I feel like you can have like the worst, yeah, dispensary and you'll still be it doesn't matter, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like it makes sense. I'm like, I guess they, you know, they, you know, you'll have a street that has like 20 bars on it, so why wouldn't you have a street that's 20, just disp- you know, it's like.
1: It seems like it's happening in Portland. There's like it does. the restaurants a lot of restaurants closed during COVID they're being replaced by dispensaries. And
0: I feel like a lot of the restaurant people that work in restaurants uh are now working in dispensaries. I know instead quite a few, yeah. Yeah,
1: cuz it's probably it's more lucrative.
0: I mean, like I know these dispensaries that you know they they, they offer like full-blown benefits like you know disability like you know pay for the whole thing and like paying you know i don't know how much an hour but it seems and it's probably easier than restaurant work it is i think less public dealing you with. know a
1: lot of people have have left but i think a lot of people have come back too because they miss it you know because if you're working in a restaurant i mean some people like the culture they don't just like working in a restaurant. They like everything that comes with it, which isn't always a good thing, but no, there are a lot of, you know, but again, like I almost feel like
0: somebody who doesn't like the culture and works in a restaurant, they're like that guy eating the Tootsie Roll in the one slice of yeah, pizza. It's like, why are you here? Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, so for some, if you're going to be in the, in the industry for a long time, you really do have to, you have to love it. You got to be kind of fucked up too, but yeah. you know, it, it's important that, you know, you, you enjoy most of the parts of the industry. You know, going you know whether it's you know just the camaraderie, you know, it, you know going from that to a desk job, it's totally different. Yeah. You know, and even not being you know for periods of time, like I won't be working on the line, and then I you know I'll miss it. I'll miss just being in in with the guys, working, you know, the back and forth, yeah. the shit talk, and all that stuff. You right. Know it's
0: something it's yeah that's that's why you why you do it i mean it's this is the actual restaurant stuff but then yeah the, the, the camaraderie the lifestyle <clears throat> if you don't really enjoy it you're going to run out of patience and it's just gonna oh yeah it'll insane. it'll
1: drive you crazy
0: and you'll be one of those people that literally like <laughs> any customer comes in like you know just does the slightest thing and you want to murder them yeah um which i kind of is what i became <laughs> after a while but it took well, 25 years to yeah, to you know, really manifest that but yeah no it's it's yeah, it's interesting to see the the transition to marijuana from from restaurants. But I mean, I'm not I'm not dis, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad
1: for you know it. It's, well, it's, it's bad. When restaurants adding, can't open for lunch anymore. Right? It's, any it's, it's definitely not there. helping the the labor shortage in restaurants. But you know, people have got to do what's best for them. So yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. That's that's the way it is. So so Mr. Tuna obviously started. You started Mr. Tuna in 2017, and that started with the
1: cart. Now, because you were friends with Andy from High Roller, Andy, and uh, and Baxter. Um, I'm friends with them now. I didn't yep. know them originally, okay. so I, w- I was working at Solo uh, Italiano yeah, on, on Commercial Street. street, street yep. And and Andy and Baxter and those guys would set up their cart right in front of the custom house, which is across the street. And... Um, I mean, I just remember seeing them out there every day and they look like they're having the time of their life. And you're in a kitchen yeah, inside. Uh, yeah, you know, I was sitting in there staring out the window. They're out in the sun, you know, yeah. you know, with a huge line, you know, loving life. So yeah. um, I, I remember one day I just walked up to Andy. I was like, hey, you know, what, what, what's up with all this? Like, what, what, what does it take to start one of these? And they were super helpful. Yep. Yeah. You know, they gave me a ton of of good advice. Um, Plus, it's so different. You know, it's, like, different from what they're doing. It's like, yeah, you can be here or
0: go there. Like, it's definitely divide the...
1: It's different every day. Right. You know, and I I like that. Some people are into the routine. I like routine, too. But part of me, you know, after, you know, day in, day out, doing the same thing, it's it's interesting going to a different location, meeting different people every day. So that, you know, that was a a, a huge appeal to me. Um, Yeah, but those guys, you know... They were crushing it, and I, I wanted to be part of that. Yeah, yeah. And so that that
0: it made sense. I mean, so going from solo where you're cooking Italian food, then to Japanese, which actually, I mean, there's some. I mean, I feel like stylistically, you can make that transition without much
1: of a much of a problem. And is most of your background in, in Japanese cooking. Most or? of my background, yeah. Japanese. I, the, Italian was that was actually the first time I did Italian, yeah. but uh, um, there are a lot of similarities with you know. Uh, The simplicity, yep, um, and uh, attention to detail, and respect for
0: tradition. I think, for sure. Like people don't really want people don't really want a new take on nigiri. No, (laughs) like they want it to be a certain way. You can make it better, but now, so obviously, so Mr. Tuna is obviously what you've been known for uh, for a few years here in Portland, and but now uh, you and Kyle Reynolds have. Transitioned, not transitioned, but you've in addition you're doing a sort of Thai-inspired fried chicken restaurant called Crispy Guy, which I was talking about in the beginning of the episode. You brought the wings from, which are absolutely insane, and which of which I had got takeout from over the the pandemic before you actually got the the brick and mortar space. Um, now, what actually makes what is it? What is the hallmark of Thai-style wings compared to American or Korean or you know? Um. Well, that's a
1: good question. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I know like uh, Korean usually they use like, rice flour, right? yeah. It's like to make it kind of crispier.
1: Yeah, um, I don't really know. <laughs> it's fine. You, you know what? You're the owner. <laughs> You're the co-owner. <laughs> we, when, uh, when Kyle comes and does the show, yeah, I'm Kyle gonna get the tell full you. rundown on Thai fried well, chicken. He's more of the the Thai. Um, he, well, he spent a lot of time. Yeah, in Yeah, he spent yeah. a bunch of time there. Right. I haven't. So he, you know, that's kind of his thing. Yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah.
0: He's like, look, hey, dude, check this fried chicken out I make. And you're like, yeah, it's fucking delicious to a restaurant. You're not like, let me know how to make that exactly. How I exactly mean, that, do you do it?
1: It's funny because that's exactly how it started. It was, right. you know, Kyle like, this is awesome. was like, we should sell this. you know, we were at the market and he he made a batch of fried chicken and that's exactly how it went down. Yeah. I, I ate it and I was like, holy fuck, <laughs> this is the best chicken I've ever eaten. Yeah. And I was like, let's, we should open a restaurant or like, you know, it started as the ghost kitchen at a Mr. Tuna, but right. you know, that was, that was kind of always me and Kyle's goal. You know, we worked together. Man, it was uh, in 2015 when I first moved to Portland, we were working together at central and we were kind of always scheming up this, this plan to open a restaurant. We didn't even really have a concept back then, but you know, we used to drive around Portland at, look at restaurant spaces yeah. And, yeah, yeah and it was just kind of a dream at that point and this is this is even before mr tuna right um but yeah you know and and then it kind of morphed into this uh we had this idea to do a fried chicken truck a food truck because you know we would be doing with events of mr tuna and I'd be like, you know a lot of times they were slow I'd be at an event right. and it wouldn't be a, a sushi crowd and I'd say well you know, we if we had fried chicken yeah. we'd, be, we'd be murdering it right now yeah so kyle you know kyle had this idea and uh he was he came to me with this concept and he was kind of half joking but he was like i got this idea we're gonna do a wing truck and we're gonna call it dirty wangs <laughs> <laughs> like well i mean that's that's another one. you know dirty yeah. guy dirty
0: guy yeah uh, yeah the i mean so he's actually he's been to he had been back to Thailand since then, I and mean, he's he's gone there a few times, right? I mean, uh, no, had.
1: he went. So he went there just for like a vacation. Yeah, he went there for a couple of months. Oh, that was the plan to be there for a couple of months, and yeah. he got a job working at a um, at a restaurant. I don't know if they had a Michelin star. or They got the Michelin star while he was there, but he got a really good job, and he he met a girl there, and and he he ended up just staying for almost. You know, I think two and a half, three years, he stayed there. So, uh, yeah, he was there for for a long time, and he was he worked in, I think two, two really really well known, or really, um, you know, decorated restaurants yeah. over there.
0: Um, Which I feel like in Asia, like those Michelinists are even more intense, like like the really high-end stuff oh yeah and it's like you know we got like you know 19 courses progressively yeah you know that stuff
1: was um, really hot back then like the coursed out thing was still still a big thing um but yeah and then you know he ended up coming back eventually um and then we we linked up again um he, he was he actually was working at mr tuna for a little bit um but yeah, the uh, the concept just you know kind of slowly developed, and then you know, and then um, over COVID, we were we're like, well, let's so let's just give it a try. Let's yeah. just give it a try. Like, what the hell? We got nothing to lose right I mean- now.
0: It's, it's honestly, it's what, like the whole idea with, with COVID that was the hardest thing for me to adjust to was the concept of like pre-ordering food like a week before. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm going to want to eat in a week. I've, I don't even know what if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. Like, I don't even know. But Crispy Guy was like the first time that I embraced. I'm like, I really want that fucking chicken. And so I'm like, I'm going to order this like five days in advance. And I did. And it was delicious. And I was glad I did.
1: Yeah, the pre-order was the pre-order was cool but it it, it fizzled out pretty quick. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, that was people, like a covid, that was a COVID thing. Most yeah. people
0: were just like I got to have it and you most people had a better idea of pretty being like, you know what, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be doing anything that night. Just like I'm not doing anything tonight. Oh, so, yeah. whatever, like, Yeah, I'll you have it. nothing going on. Right. You're in your you house. Well. So you're like, okay, I can I can commit <laughs> to I this. I can put this on my calendar. Oh. Wings, wings tonight, fried chicken.
1: But we uh yeah, we you know, we started with the pre-order and and you know, it was hot, real hot. Everybody's doing the pre-order, and then, you know, as restaurants started switching to live ordering, it just kind of like died, and we we're like, "Oh shit, yeah, this isn't working. Let's let's go back to let's do live ordering." Yeah. And,
0: and then you then the space that you're in now on Exchange Street came around, and that that project started. And
1: yeah, well, in the in, in the middle of COVID, in the peak, I'd say, you know, there was a lot of restaurant spaces open, or they were starting to open. People were leaving, yep. and you know. It was not really a good time to open a restaurant. No, you know, cause oh, but the, you
0: did have a tried and true concept that you did knew was you knew people were gonna is gonna be well received, regardless of how like yeah. you know walk in business was gonna be right off the bat. You know,
1: yeah, it was proven, but it was it was definitely risky. You know, right. opening a restaurant in COVID when you don't know in in, in a year are yeah, we gonna ever be right back where you know you can't even let people in the door. You know, you're strictly doing takeout. There's no bar, so you know it. it it worked out, but right. we had we had no idea going into it. But you know, we, sometimes you gotta take a chance.
0: As it turns out, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> you know, as it turns out, just kind of you know hanging out and hoping things are gonna work out without yeah. taking chances. Yeah, I mean, it it's if you know what you're doing and it's like I said, you're sort of and I think that overall that's the thing about what you do. It's like it's been very methodical your progression. You know, you started smaller. And more manageably rather than, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to spend a million dollars in my first restaurant and just see what happens. Like you like, OK, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do volume. I'm going to get no, the, yeah. you know, figure out what works. And, you know, and then you transition to the, you know, the market and then you have the, the prom. And then, you know, then once you know how to do that, you're like, oh, I'm going to start the restaurant with Kyle. We, we can we know what we're doing. And that's the, I mean, that's the way to do it, man. Like that's. That's why you, it's just, you just build that foundation rather than so many people, the people that didn't make it through COVID, I feel like are the ones that just overextended, you know, you kind of almost like you get greedy yeah and you're like, I'm going to open, like I'm going to have five restaurants and then that's going to, you know, not work out. So
1: yeah. Starting small I mean, in the beginning we didn't really have much of a choice. We were, we didn't have any money and it was like, you yeah. can't, we didn't have investors. We didn't have anything. But then we, you're not beholden to anybody. Yeah. So we got know. a hot dog cart, right you know, a thousand bucks permits and then you buy awesome. the food yeah and that's, it. that's and it it was just like me and you know me and marissa working the cart there's no overhead really right so but as you know as we grew kept adding stuff adding stuff yeah it was it was pretty methodical and you know it, it i always that's kind of how we we've always done done stuff just yeah. start small when it when it's time when it's when you're when you're ready to expand, that's when you do it. And it lends itself to consistency, too, So, uh, which is obviously all important. So if people
0: want to come check out the restaurant, obviously. So there's Mr. Tuna is in the public market. Crispy Guy is on Exchange Street, all in Portland. Uh, and then the 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 truck is on the Eastern Prom, moving hand rolls. Right. Uh, for for a less. little bit longer. Yeah. Now, is there
1: one site where people can go to look at oh, Mr. Tuna Main? Uh, Mr. So the website is Mr... Tuna main, no dot after Mister. Mr. Yeah. M- R- Tuna main. Right. Um, Instagram is Mister. Dot underscore. <laughs> May, really uh, so, you I, know what? If you if you look at this post wherever I post it, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna give you
0: all the information you need to find yeah, all yeah. the things Something that Jordan like does. That. So I don't know. But, but. Uh, yeah, man, I just want to thank you for coming on the show because I've been a fan of what you do for a long time, and I'm a I'm obsessed with with great sushi and. It was funny because I started sort of really getting into it right before COVID hit, and then everybody sort of lost touch for a little while. But uh, I've been wanting to do this with you for a while, and I think we're definitely going to. Chris and I are going to come in and do some filming, also uh, give us an excuse to eat more of those wings and some and some sushi. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks for taking the time. It's been no, awesome. it's
1: it's my pleasure, honestly. Yeah, thanks, absolutely. thanks for having me. And yeah. I know, yeah, we talked about this, you know, I think a year ago or something, and it's finally funny yeah. happened but
0: and now we can get together and we'll watch some star wars so it'll yeah. be great
1: yeah <laughs> we'll just talk With about how
0: we both love star wars the crumb so, yeah the crumb exactly yeah uh i'm joe riccio and this is the <laughs> food coma podcast